Devastating floods hit Eastern Australia. People are having washing machines, bikes and boats even, washing up into their gardens, into their yards, smashing through their garages. The bleakest climate assessment to date. We are at a pivotal stage and we need to act now for the climate change that's already in the system and what we know is coming down the pipe. And a wash-up of the UK winter weather. We were actually drawing up very warm air from the Azores region, resulting in these really notable temperatures. It's Friday the 4th of March and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is Weathersnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather headlines. It's been described as a catastrophic event. Currently, much of the eastern strip of Australia is underwater as an intense and powerful storm known as a rain bomb produced copious amounts of rain over the last week. Flood warnings remain in place across large parts of eastern Australia. James Grujon lives on the east coast just south of Brisbane. He describes the current conditions. I think people were shocked by the intensity of it. Brisbane's, you know, it's a river city. It's got a tropical climate. It's a very humid place. It's been particularly humid at the moment because of La Nina. We looked at the Wivenhoe Dam, which is the dam just outside Brisbane that provides all the water for the city. Uh, and you're looking at kind of the levels in that dam. Are they any higher than they were in 2011? What's going to happen when the tide comes in from the ocean and starts blocking the water that's not ocean water? Is the river going to flood? And of course it did and very badly. And we still have thousands of people with that. I think there's 48,000 people that haven't got access to power at the moment. There's thousands of people that are not back in their homes yet. Tell me about friends that you know and how this has affected their lives. Because once your house is flooded, it's not a quick turnaround, is it? It's mud, it's muck, it's all this debris that comes into your garden. People are having washing machines, bikes and boats even, washing up into their gardens, into their yards, smashing through their garages, losing all of their furniture on the ground floor. And it's... It's not, just, um, it's not just furniture, it's kind of heirlooms. It's things that have personal sentimental value as well. Tell me about the Mud Army. The Mud Army is just a brilliant thing that is so Brisbane and so Queensland. You know, my experience of Queenslanders is they're really resilient people, people who are just coming out and saying, OK, whether my house has been flooded or not, I'm going to come and help you. And I'm going to come. And I, and I see it here on the Gold Coast as well. You know, people who are posting on Facebook, hey, I've got a jet wash, and if you want me to come and help you, I'll, I'll jet wash. Or if you're elderly and you can't do this, we're going to come and help you. Is there much talk about attributing this to climate change? I think um, I was just looking when I was walking my dog just now at the Batuta Advocate, which is a satirical news website, uh, and they had a headline saying, Australians finally ready to believe 99% of scientists about climate change. And there was a picture of the floods. I think that when people have had their homes destroyed and they're worried about their family and their friends and they've lost things, there's mud everywhere and it's looking awful. It's hard to kind of push too hard on the climate change stuff. Um, but I think that when you look at places like Lismore and you look at people in that community not being able to get insurance, people who are just seeing this sort of thing happening more often, I think it starts to raise questions for people who perhaps weren't focused on it before that there might be an issue that we need to be worried about this and it's not because they've been reading the ipcc report it's because things are actually happening now in their lives that they can see a link to global warming my sincere thanks to james grujon so what were the underlying weather conditions that created this so-called rain bomb here's met office global guidance meteorologist paul hutchins 
what we've seen is a lot of very moist air come in from uh, Coral Sea due to developments in the upper atmosphere. We've seen um, destabilisation of that air mass, uh, which has resulted in widespread uh, heavy thunderstorms and, and they've been quite slow moving as well. And that's why we've seen some exceptional rainfall totals uh, across that region. It's been a slow moving system, which has been half the problem, I presume. Essentially, from last weekend, we've seen pulses of very heavy rainfall through uh, thunderstorm activity in the region. And that's gradually resulted in severe flash flooding and also river flooding that we've seen uh, over the last week. I presume some of it will also be tidal because it's along the coast. We've heard reports about dams being pretty much smashed because of the weight of the water and much of Brisbane is underwater. There's been reports of some of the river flooding being equivalent of one in a hundred year event. So obviously that's very, very severe, even for Eastern Australia that, that does see flood events, especially in La Nina years. Where's this system going now? Unfortunately, there, there, there's no real change to the system over the coming days, really. I mean, the rainfall perhaps less intense than what it's been and the focus for the rainfall shifting south from the sort of Brisbane area down towards uh, Sydney. So I'd expect this weekend to see some increased uh, flood impacts in and around Sydney and maybe things improving somewhat further north towards Brisbane. Obviously, climate change will be looked at as well. The fingerprint of climate change amongst this event, that's something which climate scientists will do. Certainly in a La Nina season, we would expect to see these sort of impacts in eastern Australia. But obviously we need to be increasingly aware of the potential impact of climate change due to a warmer atmosphere and also warmer sea surface temperatures as well. Paul Hutchins, thank you very much. This week saw the release of the latest UN climate change report issued by the IPCC. With more details of the report's findings, here's climate correspondent Graham Madge. Graham, this is another IPCC report. We talked about one last summer, which came out, which was the Working Group 1. Describe what this one is and how it's different to the previous one. So with Working Group 1 report, that was really looking at the physical climate science. What we're seeing with this report, which came out this week, is we're looking at the impact on society, on landscapes, on wildlife, on industry. What's its top line? What's the summary of what this report is actually about? We're seeing that climate change impacts are going to be greater than previously thought. And that is a, a clarion call for more adaptation. And in fact, COP president Alok Sharma reacted to this report and said that human health and livelihoods are being devastated, unique ecosystems are being irreparably damaged, and many species have become extinct. So this really is an urgent call. We are at a pivotal stage and we need to act now for the climate change that's already in the system and what we know is coming down the pipe. Where can we find out more information about this report? So the IPCC reports are published on the websites, but of course on the Met Office website, we also have links and uh, access to further information about the report. Graham Madge, thank you very much. Also out this week are the UK winter weather stats, and there's more than one headline, as Dr Mark McCarthy explains. 
Between the 16th to 21st of February, the UK experienced storms Dudley, Eunice and Franklin in relatively quick succession, sort of powered by a strong jet stream really directing storms across the UK. And of these, Eunice was particularly notable uh, and was associated with two red warnings issued by the Met Office, so a rare and most significant danger to life warnings from our National Severe Weather Warning Service. During that, we recorded a wind gust of 122 miles an hour at Needles on the Isle of Wight, and that is actually the highest wind gust recorded at a UK station network in England. For winter records, um, two more notable winter records that were broken this year uh, for both New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, recording the highest temperatures on record for those days. So a very notable warm spell of weather. So in contrast to the storms, then we were uh, actually drawing up very warm air from sort of the Azores region from the southwest of us, resulting in these really notable temperatures so would you say that was the most notable element of the winter weather that's 21 to 22? There are several notable events through the winter. Actually, we also recorded the highest January minimum temperature on record during that spell of mild weather too. But that mild theme was actually notable for persisting through much of the winter season. So although not always record breaking, the temperatures were generally well above average for much of the winter period. And that has resulted in it being the eighth warmest winter on record overall. And that also means now that five of the top 10 warmest winters on record have all occurred since 2010, really bringing home again how significant our changing climate is uh, and how much we're seeing warming in this country. Dr Mark McCarthy. Well, as winter finally gives way to meteorological spring, what can we expect weather-wise for the next few days? Alex Deacon. High pressure is on the way this weekend, but that doesn't mean it's going to be dry and sunny everywhere. In fact, for most of us, the one thing we'll notice is that it's going to turn quite a bit colder. And there will be some rain around. There's an old weather front that's been with us for the past few days, actually, that's just going to stick to parts of the east. So across eastern Scotland, eastern England, into the Midlands, many here will be dull and damp on Saturday, rain and drizzle on and off. And that's really going to suppress the temperatures five, six, maybe seven degrees at best if you're stuck under that rain band all day. Elsewhere, certainly further west, we should see some brighter skies, a bit of sunshine at times, but maybe just one or two showers also possible. Then on Sunday, that weather front finally fizzles out and then the high pressure really takes control and brings much of the UK dry weather on Sunday. Some question marks about how much cloud we'll see. I think for many it will be predominantly cloudy for England and Wales, but we should again see some good spells of sunshine, just like on Saturday across Western Scotland and Northern Ireland. It is, however, going to be feeling pretty cold. Temperatures only in single figures. We're also going to see an easterly breeze picking up, which will be particularly noticeable over England and Wales. That's going to make it feel even colder, certainly after what was a fairly mild winter. So a chilly feel this weekend, plenty of dry weather on Sunday, some wet weather in the east on Saturday. Thanks, Alex. Now with the week's highs and lows, it's Martin Bowles. Here are the weekly extremes recorded between Monday the 21st of February and Sunday the 27th of February. The highest temperature of the week was 14.5 degrees Celsius at St James's Park in central London on Tuesday. 
South Newington in Oxfordshire measured the coldest temperature. Minus 4.3 Celsius was recorded in the early hours of Saturday morning. The largest daily rainfall total was 55.4 mm at Castley in Sutherland on Wednesday. Weybourne on the Norfolk coast measured the most daily sunshine. 10.2 hours was recorded on Sunday. Although wind was not quite as dramatic as in the previous week, Storm Franklin brought very strong winds to Northern Ireland on Monday. A gust of 57 miles per hour was recorded at McGilligan. Thanks, Martin. Just before we go, the latest edition of our sister series, Mostly Weather, is out now. In this episode, we hear about the scientific achievements of US meteorologist Jewel Charney, whose pioneering work on computer models helped shape our understanding of climate. He formulated his seminal work on something called baroclinic instability. It's the process that develops the weather systems that we in the UK here are intimately familiar with. It's the wind, it's the rain, it's the showers following. All of those weather systems, those weather regimes come about by this phenomenon called baroclinic instability. And you can hear that full episode of Mostly Weather at the Met Office SoundCloud, Spotify and YouTube channels. For now, though, that's it for WeatherSnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Editor is Adrian Holloway. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office. For the latest weather conditions where you are, download the Met Office weather app.